Okay, we have a very special treat for you today. One of our listeners, who you may know, has done some of the really cool sounds and clips for the show already. His name is Rabbit. Has done a compilation. Uh, every once in a while we do kind of a recap, I guess you'd say, of previous shows for people who haven't listened before or for people who may have missed an episode or two, something like that. Uh, and this seems like a good time to do that. We're going to try to be a little more regular about that. Maybe every 10 episodes or so, we'll do a recap for you. Uh, right now, this is a recap of this season, episode 1 through 47. And uh, it's going to come out right now, today, so that you will be prepared for episode 48, because it does not include that in the recap. So I'll put this out for you today, which is Monday, uh, the, the day we usually have D4 uh, hit iTunes. And then a couple days from now, I will put out your regular episode, which will be now numbered a little oddly because of the recap. But um, hopefully you enjoy this. I think he really put a lot of work into it. I think it's very funny. And um, hopefully this will catch catch you up and uh, update anyone who may have missed a little bit. So thank you to Rabbit. And here we go. True to my word um, and my background, I set off on a, a miniature adventure, um, basically to, to drop this artifact off at a, a drop spot for one of the other cultists to take back to, I guess, the main camp. So, I mean, I guess, if you think about it, um, let's just execute uh, like a montage with some epic music. Um, me walking across mountains and stuff just to put a, a rod on a rock and then I came all the way back and that took a month. Excuse me, DM, just out of curiosity, any news on Steve? Yeah. He saved your life, buddy. <laughs> He's a traitor. He's just waiting to stab us in the back. He fixed your armor. There is, yeah. there is, there is actually some, now that you mention it, some little news of Steve. Uh, Steve was seen in town uh, attempting to buy purchase north on a trading caravan. A small house near the center of town has been uh, donated to the group's cause and uh, under the auspices that it could be an adventuring, um, an adventurer's office or the like, because a, a trade town views any sort of commerce as being potentially good. One of the news topics that uh, comes up is that there is a trading caravan that has recently rolled into town that reported a bit of resistance in an otherwise reliable trading route. Buy, buy me a drink. I'm, uh, oh. I'm, a, I'm a little bit short on cash. I'll I'll pay you back. I promise. All right. I Zanatari would buy him a drink just to shut him up. Mithrin does not look very much different than um, a farmer, except for that he is wearing armor. Um, but he's very average height, very average weight, scraggly brown hair, beard. The only thing that you may notice about him is that he doesn't look nearly as depressed as maybe a typical laborer would, is that it seems like he's more willing, or looks like he's more likely to laugh or smile than he is to frown or feel bad. Excuse me, uh, gentlemen. Uh, I was wondering if I could uh, ask you guys a question about this area. I just came into town a couple of days ago with Caravan. Um, do you guys have a moment that I could talk to you? Uh, what, what, what's on your mind, young man? Well, um, I'm kind of wandering right now, and uh, I'm in need of some work. And I just heard your friend there talk about maybe some potential employment. You know, I, I got I to gotta let you, know, you guys know, first and foremost, I'm not very experienced. Um, but, you know, it seems like you know her, and if she's going out on a job, you know, I could really use, use the work. Uh, what, what kind of, what line of work are you in? You know, it's hard, hard to for, tell. I, a man is a fireman with his <laughs> shiny clothes and <laughs> weapon. You, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you're, you're a funny man. That, or that's, dog, dog that's man. one word Were for it. Werewolf. <laughs> are, are you a werewolf? What, what are you exactly? Sometimes I ask that very same question. Um, me, I'm 
I am what they call. Let me have a look at my papers. <laughs> <here. laughs> <In my mirror. laughs> he uh, he reaches into his wallet and pulls out his uh, birth, <laughs> his birth certificate. Uh, let's see. My name is Thorn. Um, I am what they call a razor claw shifter. Um, but speaking of which, you know, I- I'll actually buy both you guys a drink if you'd like. Uh, what, do- what are you drinking? I have the most well. the most expensive wine that you can. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want you don't want wine. Believe me, the beer here is better than the wine. I have a the fine lager that they've been serving up these past few weeks. It's served me quite well. Excellent. And how about um, you, Wolf Thing? Yeah, I know you were thinking it. Um, <laughs> um, just a just a picture of, of of Mead will do me. A picture? Yeah. <laughs> Can lap it up. So, you, do you shifters have like an incredibly high tolerance for alcohol? It it takes quite a lot of energy for me to change into a wolf and then change it back. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, I'm pretty thirsty. Just All right. So. Well. I grab the pitcher and pour it down my throat. This is a good day. <laughs> Wham! <laughs> it's come apparent that the Minotaur City, which this caravan has to pass through, is starting to become more and more cool to traders or others not of the Minotaur ilk trespassing on their lands. They're, be- they're definitely not being the trading partners that they once were. Put me down. I I can walk. I can walk. Are, are you <laughs> put, sure? Put d- Don't put it yeah. down. No. Put me <laughs> down. We'll just. I'll just carry you just for a little while longer. You just hang on no, there. No, buddy. no, no. Put me, put me down. Otherwise, you're going to have oh. dog vomit down your I, armor. Yeah, I I put him down. <laughs> yeah. And what they're pointing at are two large. Minotaurs who have smashed a good deal of the building that the caravan master was in. And they seem to be trying to pull out the caravan master from within the rubble. They're actually ripping parts of the building off to try and get in there. The Minotaurs are outside the building right now? There's uh, one inside, and there is one outside that is uh, smashing things. As I'm running, I would like to be yelling at these minotaurs, going, Minotaurs, what are you doing? What are you doing? If you don't you know, give us some reason for what you're doing, we're going to have to assume that you are attacking the town. The minotaur stops uh, before he's able to swing and turns somewhat partially as if sort of noticing that there is a fly in the room. Um, and levels his gaze on to uh, Mithrin. Um, at this point in time, I would like to, in my drunken stupor, yell profanities at the Minotaurs, please. Our strongest versus your strongest. If we win, you leave the town. <laughs> we don't negotiate here. This is yes, our town. Yes, no, shush. No, it's okay. No, no, no. I know what I'm doing. I've, I've done Says economics the drunk before. Dog. <laughs> I'd like to, uh, I would like to make a, uh, a diplomacy Roll, please. Okay. Um, and it's plus two. <laughs> Diplomacy that's, is the uh, name of my that's, mace. That's, a, that's an eight. The Minotaur finally breaks down and and has some degree of a laughing fit at uh, the rather funny wolf creature um, who has both been attempting to insult and now has attempted to uh, propose this sort of propose a sort of match. Gorath explains to the group that there appears to be indeed a misunderstanding that the merchants failed to clear up. You know, the 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 merchant's kinda of sitting up now and, and and so forth, but uh Gorath looks at Xanatari and goes, Well, I guess sometimes word words are stronger than muscle. There's apparently, um, ex- explains in, in brief to the party that there's been a lot of issues at the uh, four-pillared hall recently that have caused much disruption and fighting within the the city. 
And this appears to be a an incident that uh, has now spilled outside of the city and will be taken care of. I just heard the word drow, and I'm not a much of a huge traveler or adventurer, but I do know that that's no good. Um, so maybe you should be involved in, in like getting in between these two and seeing what's going on, because there's some there's a lot more here than just a simple, you didn't pay me. I would ask the merchant what he meant by the warring factions and the four pillars, and especially the uh, inclusion of other races like the drow that aren't part of the uh, culture of the Minotaurs. There's been a long history, somewhat unspoken, that there is a, a night and day side of the four-pillared hall where there is surface trade, which he is a part of. Um, merchants are allowed to come through the Minotaur territory in order to trade both with them and to export goods. There's, there's sort of a symbiotic relationship. Uh, some Minotaurs don't like that, and some of the trade houses wish only to trade with uh, those below ground. And there's been a trade with there's apparently uh other underground cities some of them drow and he kind of hucks a uh a loogie into the dirt at the mention of the race but recently that sort of balance between the two sides where they one side ignores the other, has been spilling over because there have been some sort of cult or adjutant that has been provoking um, the two sides to come into conflict. Uh, Minotaurs had been taken by the local town officials towards the jail with the promise that once the administrative work had been taken care of to get the... Reparations for their mental actions taken care of, then they would be available to speak. Overnight, there was a uh, firebombing of what remained of the shack. The Minotaurs are at the local jail. I'd like to sneak out of the, the in place and make my way to the jail. Okay. Um, are you going middle of the night type deal? Yes. Okay. I put on a cloak, a dark cloak. I probably steal the cloak from the cloak room. Okay. Thorn, for you, as in-character information, as you sneak through town, you are able to hear the firebomb attack yes. happen. However, if you decide to not go to that event, and you still decide to press to the jail, just let me know. Um, do I hear any sort of... Well, it, it sounds like something's smashing, but there's kind of an, uh, an impressive-sounding whoop, some sort of magic kind of thing, just where the, the air is so suddenly burned up that it causes kind of like that, that muffled whoop sound. At the firebombing site, the limited amount of wood that's there is already starting to just kind of smolder. It was evidently a very flash burn with some sort of accelerant and or magic. However, there is on... A nearby doorway nailed to the door a cultist cloak with a bone rod hanging from the nail. I'd like to analyze the cultist cloak, please. Do I recognize it as a symbol from the cult that I belong to? You would recognize it rather as the cloaks that some of the vampires were wearing at mm. the Keep of the Shadowfell. The bone rod is clearly looking almost exactly like the one that you had turned into your cult. Okay, I'm going to take both the cloak and the rod. I'm going to fold the rod up inside the cloak. What's, what is join uh, earlier in the evening, Xanatari, Mithrin, and Cesar having their discussion over the drought? So I guess I'd like to address both of my comrades and just say... Well, I'm I'm glad you are willing to hear me out on this. I am not a, a warrior by trade. I am actually a storyteller. I've spent the last 10 years wandering just wherever I happen to end up, just collecting stories and collecting tales from different people and different cultures and 
you know, towns, wherever I happen to go. And I trade stories for food is what I did for many, many years. It was delightful for a very, very long time until I decided to go back home. And uh, when I went back home to see my parents and see how they were doing, I found out that some tales that you believe are just tales sometimes are true. And some people will force their interests on you to find out what you know. I need to become stronger in order to protect my home and my parents and their place from people who, if I go back there, unfortunately, I know many stories and some of which are true, but sadly, I don't know which ones are true and which ones are just stories. Some adventurers showed up and wanted to know who was the man who had collected stories from, you know, this other town that I had been near. And I said, which story do you want to know? And they asked me for the story and I told it to them. And they didn't believe that I had told them everything. And so they ransacked the entire inn trying to threaten me. And I you know, didn't know any more than what I did. I thought it was just a silly story. But apparently it was true. And uh, I couldn't protect my family that day. Nobody was killed. Everything, you know, ended up, you know, more or less, you know, it was just monetary loss. Uh, but I realized that time that the things that I had known were very dangerous. Have you ever considered trying to become the hero in any of these stories that you've heard and follow up on them? It's not really interesting to me. I, I'm more interested in just telling the tale and, and seeing that. It's just, I, I just don't want my parents to have to suffer, especially now that they're in their later years. Do you sing these stories or do you speak them? Are you, what sort of? I, I do some of both. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm a, a bard, but I do some storytelling. I do some, some singing occasionally. But anyway, uh, we were speaking about the drow, um, and I do have some general lore that has been passed down from some of the towns around where my my hometown is from, if you'd like to hear it. Is this true, factual, um, or is this a rumor? <laughs> well, you know, as with most stories, it's hard to tell, but as far as I can tell, this is actual factual lore about what uh, the overworld people, especially uh, uh, dwarves and men, think of the drow I, I i guess i'd just like to give you this choice then um i can either tell this this small story uh as prose just as we would normally speak or i can tell it as poetry what what would you prefer what's poetry what's poetry well yeah. then i guess you've made your choice <laughs> <laughs> I, I i will tell this as 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 traditional lore masters and storytellers did from long ago um, at this point, Mithrin will stand up, and he has a walking stick that's over in the corner, and he has it. Uh, he goes over and he picks it up, and he stands in front of the fire, and he puts his cloak, the hood of his cloak, kind of over his head a little bit so it shades his eyes. And the walking stick actually has notches on it all the way down on sides. You know, like in, They seem almost like a random pattern. Um, and he kind of touches one of those notches as if he's remembering something. And you can totally see at this moment as he is kind of looking down and thinking and thought that this is actually what he really likes to do. Like you can just see like there's a certain joy in his persona as he does this. So the inn, the people at the inn would around us would stand and, and, you know, whistle and hoot and, and then I would. He would, he would obviously look very embarrassed, but he would also be somewhat kind of like, oh, that was fun. And then he would sit down and go, so that's the draft. There, there's, there's also um, a number of them that make certain signs of warding and stuff like that. Just like kind of a general sense of, sense of warding. I would flick, as most people do when they see a bug, flick the bug off of his shoulder and stomp on it with my boot. Huh? What's that? The bug falls to the ground, and when you stomp it, there you almost sort of like a one of those puff mushrooms. When you step on yeah, it, there's yeah. that sort of puff. There's one of those sort of puffs of black smoke. Okay. Something very odd just happened, and I'd like you to see if you can see anything on the floor here when I step back. And then, uh, absolutely, yeah. And then I would take a step back and see if there's any sort of visible like remains or some sort of a mark on the floor or something that would prove there was something there. No, there looked like you know somebody dropped a piece of charcoal-type smudge on the ground, but there's, there's no uh, carcass to speak of. 
I pass that along. This this uh does have some arcane properties to it. I'm not quite sure what, but it's I, I, what what was it? Small. I mean, the drow worship spiders. They they commune with them. Uh, from what I've heard, but I but obviously, if it, if it was a spider that you saw and you smashed it, it was, and it's not there now, and it's just what what it, what is it? Says her. What is it even? Bug. Um. All I, all I can tell that it, it's just whatever this powder is that's left had some sort of has some sort of arcanic ar- residue. I, that's all I can really tell. Um, do the uh, you know obviously more about the drow than either of us. Is there anything you've heard in your wanderings? Hardly. Like go upstairs into one of one of our rooms that we hired for the night or whatever, and onto the bed I dump the cloak um and unfold it to reveal the bone rod i would turn to caesar and say caesar can you get a closer look at that rod and see if it looks like the thing that you touched while we were dungeoneering and i'm going to head right now to the jail where the minotaurs are and i'm concerned for their safety if there's some sort of uh distraction of being caused and i just want to check and make sure that they're okay so i would you know gather my weapon and, and my bits and, and walk down the steps heading towards the jail. There has been an incident, yet there seems to be quite the absence of sound in terms of a bucket brigade or an increased patrols of the watch. In your progress to the end, I mean, from the end to the jail, you actually can't seem to recall running into any of the guard. Seems uh, rather quiet here, uh, especially considering what, what's going on. It was a, quite a loud explosion. Uh, do you see any, any guardsmen? As you had entered the jail, uh, the front gate was slightly ajar. Again, nobody standing watch, nobody to check uh, and admit you. Um, at this point, I'd like to ask Xanatari and Cesare, I'm like, right, what's what's the ball doing? <laughs> I'm not actually quite sure. Xanatari uh, might have a, a better idea than me. I'm not in tune with it as she is. Xanatari um, would smile and say that, that Bert uh, is a force of good, and he has it an aversion to things that would hurt us and also to evil things. And so sometimes I don't necessarily always know what he's thinking, but uh, following his actions can give us clues at times. As you go up, you're coming up the short end of a rectangle up the stairway and then around the other parts of the upper floor that are not um, right around the stairway. They've got probably about a four foot tall railing to keep people from falling down the hole. Mm-hmm. The room itself has uh, six cages um, type you know, prison cells that are um, lined with bars and uh, a couple of desks. Is there anyone in the cells that we can see? Um, the cells are all at present dark. It, it, it's it's pretty, pretty dim and murky up here. But you can can't actually see into the cells. There is the smell of I hate to just to be basic, but there is the smell of cow from the cell that is behind you guys. Xantari, as you get up to the stairs and you take a couple steps off to the uh, towards the wall, um, your boot feels sort of a a crunchiness as if it is uh, touched some stuff and you're getting sort of a smell of sulfur or smoke. The floor is not exactly a carpet of spiders. Yeah. But there is a large number of these spiders that are milling about in the sort of shadow area that you have now partially exposed in this, you know, section of floor that you're looking at. You notice out of the corner of your eye, having seen something happen and Xantari jump back, you happen to see that at the window, there is the glint of light 
on something that looks like a arrowhead or a bolt head that has come whipping that has suddenly come whipping up pointed towards uh Xanatari. Mithrin having apparently showing to the party that he has some degree of training more perhaps than what he's given illusion to uh, steps forward and is able to bring his shield up just as the bolt goes flying past Cesar and deflects off of Mithrin's shield. Kapang! The chair is kicked out, the desk is upturned, and a figure with a that's got cowl and the whole deal going, your classic sort of Robin Hood type, stands up with a dagger in the other hand and moves to engage you. And there's no sudden, like, rawr, there's no... It's just the desk was convenient cover. That is now out. We are now... It, it is a business aggression move towards you. The figure is rather overcome by your attack and begins to uh, collapse towards its knees or fall to its knees. As this happens, there is the resounding sound of a crunch, and uh, for those who are near to this figure, um, there is the smell of bitter almonds. So for Xanatari and Mithrin, you would smell a bitter almond, but there's something in addition to it. As the figure falls, you notice that the spiders have stopped moving. In fact, they might just be smudges. You're not quite certain. The figure is just kind of sitting there kneeling, and with how it is, you're not sure if it's dead or not. The figure is knocked back. However, the arm that you connect the force of the attack to that shoulder... It feels very gooey. Like like your hit wasn't... It was a solid hit, but what it hit was kind of along the lines of a very firm pudding. Xenatari would move forward, and her goal would be to behead the figure and make sure it's not going to get up again. So sort of a a rotten-type pumpkin sound uh, smashing on concrete, well, on wood, is uh, the end result. In a nearby cell is the silhouette of two minotaurs. The party has called to them, but there has been no response as yet. There is a small, what appears to be, obsidian spider uh, cloak-in brooch combination. As you're doing this, Xanatari, because you are paying attention, you do hear what sounds like rain starting upon the roof with a... Occasionally, a couple heavy sort of thuds of rain. Do you run? Do you run down the stairs? Is that where you are headed? Yep, down okay. the stairs and outside to try and get the one that was that had fallen outside the window. And as you run up to the bars, uh, you notice that there is a sort of white, sticky substance that uh, appears to be kind of mounded up on the outside of the window as if something was uh, using it to uh, hold itself in place. On closer examination, would it look anything like cobwebs? It would, yes. Fresh, not your common variety garden spider, however. Coming up to the cell bars, you can see that the lock does not appear to have been forced. Uh, The rear window of the cell appears to be intact. In fact, you can see no breach into the cell, aside from the standard bars. The minotaurs are both somewhat wedged sitting in the back of the cell. One is entirely black, as if a shadow, or excessively burned. The other is for the most part, right now, a skeleton with what appear to be black smudges covering the otherwise clean bones. Oh, like the spiders got them. I would 
go towards the skeleton minotaur and take a closer look at his chest cavity that you said there was something in. Okay. Appears to be a box. It appears to be fused into the bone or surgically attached to the skeleton. And there are a couple of runes. And one of the uh, legs from the knee down, or just below the knee, appears mechanical or metal. You get the feeling that the box is um, definitely not mundane in nature. And the runes do not seem familiar, but they look like some sort of scrawls in the past that you've seen in other uh, magical works. You come to understand that this is either some sort of power source, or it is some sort of magical bomb. Your skills and ability, though, whether through heightened focus and paying extreme attention, you get the feeling that there is a stronger source of arcana behind you, roughly in the position of the puddled, goopy, we shall call it the, the pudding figure, you are actually finding, when you come over, that the entire form is shaking and twitching slightly, as if something is going on with the form. There appear to be waxed, carved, I guess. If, if you look at a statue, eyes, sort of that, uh, if you look at uh, David, the statue of David, mm-hmm. it's got um, you know the stone eyes that are really well detailed. But it's sort of in this kind of material. Cesar, as, as she is striking this figure, you start to see some of these eyes open into an excessively black-spaced sort of orb. The form begins to rise as a sort of conish-type pillar. Mithrin, as you come running outside... You are greeted by the sound of metal sort of clanking or slapping against something off on the side of the building where the window that the attacker came from. I would definitely like to be heading over the direction where I think that this uh, attacker has fallen to, but I'm keeping my eyes up to where he was. So, As you come around the corner, you are sort of greeted by this spectacle of what appears to be a figure sort of lazily flapping around atop a giant spider which is clinging to the side of the building with some of its legs up on the roof and the legs are all kind of moving. In my head, I'm saying, this is the worst night ever. (laughs) This is straight out of my nightmares. Oh, for the love of God. From where you're at, you sort of can see that the mouth of the spider is also likewise somewhat above the window, and it is drooling or liquid is coming from it over the window. With a large large sort of shudder and shake. The figure falls from the spider and lands with a hard, crushing thump. I'm going to come around the corner, take in all this for a second, because I'm going to stand there obviously dumbstruck, and I am going to start backing away slowly. (laughs) And back (laughs) towards the door, hoping that it does not see me. And the second I get around the corner, provided it doesn't see me, I am running as fast as I can back up to the group. (laughs) I'm going to make a roll for a horror check real quick here. Oh, no. And that is going to be against your will. Okay. So a save versus will. And I roll a 16. Dang it. Will is 15. Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) Xanatari and Cesar, you have this form rising in front of you at the same time as you hear a large clomping metallic bundle of just pure chaos come thundering up the stairs. (laughs) 
just blubbering and <laughs> sort of a little bit of fear and and frustration and and confusion. He lets loose another bolt into the the goop candlestick with a take that. Okay, very good. Where your bolt hits uh, is the the bolt is quickly worked out as a tentacle starts to well actually one of many starts to snake out from the form. We were winning. What's what? <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> However, there is the future problem of you are a delicate constitution at the moment. And for delicate constitutions and encountering more horror, there is another will save. Oh, great. This time, at penalty. Oh, no. <laughs> A17. Yeah, will 15. Okay. Uh, you may feel free to... Are you going to scream? You may, you, may, you, you, may, you, you may feel free to describe your, your actions at this point. Uh, I'm pretty sure at this point of coming around the corner to seeing some, you know, horrible thing that's even worse than giant two-story spider. Um, I'm pretty sure that Mithrin is just going to, you know, mouth agape, just drop to his knees and kind of go, <laughs> Thorn, you have arrived after a very silent uh, walk to the gates of the jail, which are open. Mm-hmm. Um... The fires are lit. You are hearing what sounds like the sound of weapons being used somewhere nearby. Mm-hmm. But there's also sort of this kind of scraping sound coming from the right side of the building as you're facing the jail front door. So it's sort of okay. like you have, have to go to the right and sort of around the corner to, you know, possibly see what's going on there. Alright, well, I'm going to do exactly that. I'm going to go around the building to the right, uh, around the corner, and let me have a look at what's making that stupid noise. You come sort of face-to-face at a distance of what appears to be a large story size of, in terms of height and so forth, wolf spider. It instead seems to be moving down the side of the building very rapidly towards <laughs> your general direction. So I'm going to draw an arrow and I'm going to fire at one of its eyes. Did anything happen when the brooch was broken except for the thunder? Yes. The candlestick suddenly freezes. The light on the tentacles that was extremely close to each of you, fades away. In fact, the entire form begins to fade away as if sucked through a small, tiny straw hole in the cosmos. And as each of the tentacles is pointed at you, each of you hears this almost amazingly wonderful female voice that is at the same time one of the most evil-sounding echoes and tones and just there's all sorts of wrong with this voice. It utters, but you're not sure if it's to the entire room or to each of you or to just one of you. A simple word. Doom. I run down the stairs and come to a screeching halt and peek my head around and see where it is before I run out. What you thought was big is now glowing with, you know, a sheen that allows you to truly see how big this is. I'm going to have to do a horror with a further larger penalty. I was like, oh my god, it's scary. Come inside. This is worse. Back outside. This is the worst thing ever. And unfortunately, it's a natural 20. You know, he's basically babbling with fear, so he uh, pulls out a uh, a small winged uh, metal construct from one of his belt pouches, um, uh, pours a, a little bit of liquid into the, the back of it, winds it up, and uh, whispers an arcane word to it before letting go, and it flies through the air and, uh, and sinks a little needle into the neck of Mithrin and injects the liquid that he put into it. Um, and it uh, it's sort of a a calming liquid, and it basically, in terms of the game, it's uh, just a ranged five minor action encounter power that allows a target to make a saving throw. 
you're able yeah, to, so uh, with, a, with a couple of good solid hits, you're able to um, grab the box. Okay. Now that I have the box, I'm going to turn and run down the stairs towards my companions. Given that the spider is now looking at me with seven eyes instead of eight, I apologize to the spider. I give it a name. I'm going to name him Fluffy. The spider is definitely getting annoyed with Thorn. However, it seems more distracted, or at least turned right now, towards the uh, the fallen form of the rider. I just, okay. I'm going to say and try to project the calmness and like non-threatening okay. vibes to the spider and just hold still. Spider is definitely cautious. It's agitated. It does not like getting shot at. Um, but as it's moving towards, it doesn't seem like it's a, it's going to leap off the building. Whereas before you did that, it might have considered, was it was a possibility. Okay. Now it seems a little less of a possibility. Okay. Back to the roof with you! One of its, uh, front longer legs starts moving, um, towards the fallen form of the rider as if it's going to try and touch it or do something, but it starts moving down and a little bit away from Thorn and uh, who is the closest source of attack at the moment. Um, you get the feeling that all of you are being studied. This spider hasn't attacked us. The rider was in control of the spider. The rider's dead. Maybe the spider isn't hostile. I just want to see if it's, you know, it might just be amount. It might not have, it might not be able to make those decisions, and it wouldn't be nice if we could use it ourselves. Well, I'm going to not shoot it, but then I'm going to use, I have a special ability called Body of the Wolf, which actually allows me to shapeshift into a wolf. Um, that's that, but I'd like to use this form to try and communicate in the tongue of animals. You don't get a direct response, but there is this palpable feeling of hunger, anger, and drive. The spider comes further down uh, the building, and the leg touches the rider. It seems almost uh, gently or kind of just sort of like a cat does when it sort of pokes you type thing, um, and then all of a sudden stabs the corpse with a rather uh, uh, squishy sound. Hang on a second. That's a spider. Spiders are the worst thing that ever has been created by any god that I've ever heard of, ever. I need to destroy this thing now. <gasps> that spider hates us all! <laughs> Can you shoot a rope? Uh, sure. So we could climb up. As long as the DM will allow it. Very good. You have accomplished that. Okay. Nicely done. It dismounts from the side of the wall and onto the ground and continues to move away from the party, but does attempt again to bite Ed Mithrin in an attempt to maybe uh, perhaps get him to move away. Then I would like to move towards the spider and use a acrobatics check to try and leap for the saddle. Sanitari is dressed in a couple items from the rider in her previous attempt to get the spider to realize that maybe she is the rider. Cesar will yell up to uh, Thorn on the spider. Uh, you, you doing all right up there? I yell back, no. Is it like a, like a, I guess, a, a, like a horse's saddle where it's got like the sort of part of the front that you can hold on to? Mm -hmm. Pommel. Yes. Yeah, the horn. Yes. Yeah, alright. Well, I'm going to grab hold of that with two hands. Okay. Does that mean that you are letting go of the uh, <laughs> the reins? There are reins? <laughs> it is sort of a, a, a mount. Okay, I didn't even know it had reins. Okay, instead I'm going to put one hand on the, the horn and one okay. on the rein. Very good. Okay. So I'm going to roll nature to see whether I can pick out how to appropriately ride this splatter. You do find that the that there is a response of some kind fairly positive to your utilization of the reins, and the spider itself seems a little calmer since you've been in the saddle. That may be due to 
partially Mithrin having it in a headlock, but it seems that it understands. I would say to the party, um, why don't we just let it eat the rider? I think it's just hungry. Um, as you're deciding this, you feel the corpse of the rider start to, uh, the head start to bounce against the back of your leg. Um, you're able to adjust your weight properly to uh, avoid being tripped by the carcass as it's being dragged uh, towards the spider. Lovely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would like to yell out at this time, Make up your mind, please! (laughs) This is the dangerous end! Cesar goes up behind uh, Mithrin and sort of pats him on the shoulders and says, I, I think it might be alright. Let's let's take a step back, son. Absolutely. <laughs> I let go and back up quickly. As Mithrin lets go of the spider and backs away, there's no retaliation. And the spider immediately moves towards the, the couple feet towards the corpse and begins to very noisily um, start to feed on the rider. After, you know, a couple moments of working on the rider, the spider starts to move backwards slowly away from the party. If it continues the way it came, it will head out, it could head out over the wall and out of town. It, it still feels like it wants to move, but it's at least paused, and whether it is paused truly just for the reins, or the fact that it goes back and works over the rider a little bit more. Uh, it's sort of the rider is worked over, it seems, both as a source of food, but also perhaps a sense of retaliation. We've got a, someone up on that spider. What, what does that get us now? My plan is that we let Thorn give the spider free reign, keeping it within a reasonable speed, and we follow it back home, and that will lead us to where the drow are hiding. Um, I I would like to put a stop to this madness right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This seems to be a poor idea. I I respect your authority, and I respect your guys' experience over my experience, but following a spider to its lair, underground, where the drow live, that just seems... Poor planning. I, you know, lock it up or something because I, I don't think we should let it go or we sh- or shouldn't follow it. I, it. It just seems like a bad idea. I'm not too sure how far I can trust you right now. It, does anybody else find it odd that mere hours after this this gentleman tells a story about these these creatures, they show up and attack us? Well, I'm not suggesting that we enter underground caverns full of drow, but it would be nice to know where they're coming from. Actually, Cesar, I have the box. I brought it with me when we oh. were in the room. Oh. Yes, I figured that the drower after this, and I wondered what it was. I didn't want to open it because I wanted you to check it out first in case it was explosive in some way. Before I start investigating it closely, I confirm with Thorne. Do you think you have that, that guy under control there? Um, I, I would like to pat the top of its head and say, yes, I have it under Ew. control. Ew. Does it appear to have any physical mechanism? Does it have a lock? Does it have hinges? Does it have a clasp? Anything like that? Does it appear to be like a type of metal or a type of wood? Somebody made it made an attempt to have it fit the aesthetics of bone, but it does appear to be something that can open. It's white. Right now it's got you know blood residue still on it and stuff like that, but there are some carved images in terms of, like, runes in it that are sort of a deeper gray. One thing, though, it does feel like it is uh, lightly vibrating. Uh, I believe that that was um, attached into the rib cage. You are correct in saying that it looked like um, the ribs had been moved and stuff. It had been modified, but it had been mounted within the rib cage. There is a sigil on the rune that's sort of a medical or a warning um, that there is the potential for cessation of life. So we're not opening the box, Cesar. (laughs) Well, why not? You don't, you do not see a warding symbol, though. We, uh, we just tamed and put uh, one of our members on a giant spider. 
I think we might be able to risk opening a box. I, I just want to point this out here. Okay, so the drow, who are incredibly evil and powerful, are after these guys, apparently, okay, for whatever is in that box. So whatever is in that box might be more powerful than the guys who killed the Minotaurs, and we barely defeated this spider and them, so uh, I don't know. It, it could be dangerous to uh, let Thorn just open that box. Whoa, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. I could, I could maybe rig something up to open it from a distance so that we could all sort of stand back. Um, well, he uh, says or takes the box, he asks for it politely, and uh, uh, says, uh, I, I think I might need some, some space for this. And he uh, backs away sort of into a, a corner of the courtyard near a, a torch, so he has plenty of light. And he starts, uh, ironically enough, with a small spider-like sort of base that he has, and he starts going between that and the box and seeing, judging how he thinks it'll open and equipping its its front two legs with the right mechanism it'll need to, to open the box up as carefully as possible. And then he uh, starts uh, sort of, you know, whereas in our world we, you know, program it on the computer, he uh, starts using some arcane magic to to basically program it to what it needs to do uh he gives it the finishing touch he uh this is a special one it won't be used for anything else and it might very well be sucked into another region or you know turn against us and we'll have to defeat it or something so uh he uh takes out a it just looks like basically a little stylus and burns his initials into the side of it as sort of the the masterpiece finishing touch and uh steps back and uh goes back to the rest of the party and says, I, I think this'll do it. Thorn? I'd like to try and attempt and steer the spider up on top of the building. Ah! Uh, two plus three, five? The level of awesome in the area is somewhat tempered by Thorn learning that, yes, he can move the spider around a little bit and he starts climbing the wall and gets approximately 10 feet up the wall before falling out of the saddle due to a concept called gravity but uh you are able to grab onto a leg and a port side portion of the body all of this is happening uh you see thorns start to fall as the bulk of the body of the spider uh, including Thorn, uh, goes over the top of the roof and out of sight. Uh, I'm just, I'm just concerned about this sudden appearance of these, these beings. Uh, there's no real precedent for it, and there doesn't seem to be something right in this town. There's, there's no one around. No one heard our, our, our battle. I, I just, I'm, I'm concerned, and any clue can help at this point, I think. I agree. Uh, yeah, I would agree with Cesar and say we need to determine the reason that they're here and what they're after, and this seems like like it. I would also, as a side note, take off any gear that I was wearing that was the rider's, and I would put my own gear back on and throw the rider's gear over to toward the rider's body. And uh, once everybody's settled behind, he uh, sets his uh, the spider down. He pulls out a, a brass... Uh, clockwork key, inserts it into a, a hole in the top, and gives it three clockwise spins. Uh, let's go. And it immediately starts scuttling off towards the box. He uh, shelters down behind uh, the bunker, pulls out a little, uh, uh, basically a, a periscope, and uh, points it over the wall, and watches the spider's progress as it goes towards the box. It approaches the box, it uh, uses its the special appendages to uh, uh, sort of feel the box as it gets to it, and it sort of uh, scurries them up the side of the box with a little clitter-clatter, slides it into the crack sort of near the corners on each side, and gently starts to pry to see if that'll pop it open. Through the actions of your little spider creature and uh, forethought, you are able to eventually get with a slight uh, pop as if the um, air sort of, yes, very good, has changed. 
Um, the box pops uh, partially open along the seams. He looks to his the two uh, party members beside him and says, uh, "Well, uh, it's open." No, I'm gonna like kind of peek up over it since I didn't have the periscope or anything and kind of look. And uh, I, I would like to make a a uh, perception check and just see okay. if I see anything from a distance. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a natural one. <laughs> but it truly, it truly blows you out of your mind that you are witnessing this awesome spectacle, but don't have the sense enough to go. That's an explosion from where my damn staff is. Cesar would turn and look to his far right and go, eh? what's that? There is a faint but growing smell of iron as you approach the box. There does not appear to be any lightning arcing across any set of runes, but you get an emanation that the previously uh, determined life and death magic that seemed to be swirling about this box is, to a degree, stronger now on the life side. But on the inside, with various wires sticking into it, is something that looks like a large prune. There is some sort of calling coming from the box, but it is more of a kind of a pulse. The (laughs) interior of the case is some sort of metallic substance, um, sort of like a... If you think of banded armor, it's mm-hmm. metal and sort of kind of a, a wood-type bands on the inside. Since you are now down on uh, your hands and knees, you are getting a sense that you seem to be hearing something now. Okay. Does it sound like the voice that said doom? No. No. It's just, it, it, it's, ext- it's extremely faint, but it sounds kind of like the slow beating of a heart. Did you see the explosion? There is a large explosion. My stuff is in there. <laughs> and I, I turn to him and I say, there wasn't an explosion. It opened fine and it, I don't think this is yours. <laughs> there, no, it, over at the inn, my, all of my belongings or everything I own is over there. I am going to run straight towards the end. I'm going to try and retrieve any of my belongings that hopefully are still there. So you said there are wires leading into this prune rotted potato thing. Yes. Okay. How many and what do they look like and where are they going? They are going deeper into the base of the box. Um, a couple are coming from the, uh, you're laying it down the, the four corners of the box, pretty much the sides okay. have wires coming out. Uh, there are a couple of different colors, mostly brass, a few types that you're not quite sure on first inspection what they might be, but there's some gold, there's some silver, some brass, what looks to be kind of a copper set of wires. Cesar pulls out a thick glove and puts it on and pulls out like a pair of basically needle nose pliers mm-hmm. and grasps uh, the maybe a brass-looking wire and tries to tug it out of the, the unidentified vegetable. The wire does come free with sort of a so, sort of a moist slurp sound. The beating sound that you were hearing as you got close to the box now seems a little bit less. <laughs> Don't kill it. I'm well-trained in history. A lot of reading time. Because you're slave. old. Natural 20. 32. Oh my god, nice. I know everything that ever happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, There is, um, in, in the back of your head, sort of rattling around, you remember hearing both of, of two particular t- situations. One time, your former uh, slave master... Uh, I forget what her name was, but... Silora. Silora was looking into some sort of report that there was a new type of flesh golem or some sort of construct, construct being crafted by some sort of college of mages. 
Or you've also heard being surrounded by dead and the red wizards and all the other nastiness of them, that mm-hmm. there's a creature called a lich. And mm-hmm. sometimes they are known to store pieces of themselves away from their body so that if they are destroyed, they are able to rise again. Well, I have to say that Caesar has the, with that memory, the instinct to pull out a dagger and stab the thing right there and there, but his, uh, his curiosity wins over, and uh, he takes the wire and tries to push it back in to the point at which it was in the heart to see what happens. There is a momentary sort of stuttering in the pulse, and the pulse rate soon returns. The one that's striking me the most plausible is that it, it could be a... Well, have you ever heard of a, a lich? They, uh, they're they a type of undead creature. They uh, separate a, a living part of themselves from their body, I believe, uh, and just keep it somewhere else, as strange as that might sound, uh, to give them something that they can, uh, I guess, live again if they're destroyed. And uh, I think this could possibly be that for a lich out there somewhere. But this box was inside of the Minotaur. We we removed it from his body. Does that mean the Minotaur was a lich? Explain this to me, Cesar. I don't understand. Well, I, I don't know much about it myself. I've basically heard bits and pieces. I've never sat down and, and studied the, the that type of creature firsthand. Uh, so I don't, I don't really know. Uh, it didn't. The Minotaur didn't strike me as undead when we met him. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe he was designated uh, some cruel way as the carrier for the lich's organ. I, I really don't know. I could be completely wrong too. It might not even be part of a lich. And Seda says, "Or why don't we just take this with us and and go after Thorn? Because the last I saw of him, he was." <laughs> he was riding, you know, across the hills in the back of the giant spider, like, screaming his head off. So, at some point, we have to get him back, unfortunately. Yeah, I suppose that's true. All right, uh, well, I, I think we're good to go. Uh, uh, how about you, uh, and, uh, Mithrin? 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 Oh, crap. Well, I'd like to attempt to get back in the saddle, um, given that the spider is going full pill, <laughs> and I'm not really comfortable hanging off the side of it. Okay, you are able to, uh, before careening into a large thicket of uh, undergrowth and so forth, haul yourself back up uh, using your training back into the saddle as Fluffy appears to be heading uh, away from the town, not in a speed of mortal terror, but um, it's definitely, it seems to be trying to return to the ranch. Looking up, you see in the night eye, night sky a red in where the moon would be. The moon is especially red. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's almost like there is a very evil eye that is looking down upon from the heavens onto Winterfell. Based on your past experience with your tribe and your uh, limited study of Orcus, you would know that the red singular eye is a symbol of that deity. Okay, so um, I ride the spider over the the wall, and this time I don't fall out because I'm secured into the saddle. Um, And I I ride him to the top of the roof, then I sort of, like, I'm looking at both Cesar and Zanatari sort of, like, through, I guess, glazed eyes. Like, I was so wrapped up in this, uh, this, this vision in my head that I sort of shake my head and blink a couple of times. I go, oh, hey guys, what's going on? Get your stuff together. We need to find Mithrin. He's gone off somewhere. There's something beating here inside my body and it's called a heart You know how easy it is to tear it apart If I lend it to you, will you keep it safe? If we are lend it to you, will you treat it as
if, if you haven't learned anything from by now, is that all goblins will be called Steve. Um, all floating rocks will be called Bird, but that's uh, thanks to Genesee there. And uh, all giant spiders will be called Fluffy from now on. If we come across something like a, a bugbear, I'm going to call it Tim. <laughs>